Welcome to selfdiscoverymedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Ignite Your Heart and Soul right here in selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Augustus Vaughan. He is the wisdom is the principal thing between class and depends depends on it. And he has this wonderful featured book called The Bad Boy. But he's very, very unique in the way he presents his wisdom. When you go to his site and you click on any one of them, you're going to have some wonderful classic music in the background as his soft, soothing voice speaks to the things that we need to know. How did he come about this? Well, he was born in Watts, California to native parents in the midst of 92 Watts riots and he was sent to live with his uncle in Rome, Italy. And by the age of four, you know, it was a better environment for him. And he returned to America in 2003. For seven years, he taught poetry and spirituality to fellow students and students of neighboring schools in the Los Angeles area. Months before his 18th birthday, he moved to Broken Alley arrow in oklahoma to attend bible school in hopes of becoming a minister to excel in his work but someone had a different plan for him instead of starting a ministry behind the pulpit augustus would visit people in need of assistance and did what he could to help mostly advice as time went by augustus started to notice the results people gained so this inspired augustus to write some more he featured an open mic poetry venue he could find until uh, in the state of Oklahoma. And there was a longer task to the young poet. So he was once more drawn back to the sunny state of California where he would do charity work and discover what issues needed close attention to the area. Eventually, he realized that these issues were not just in his area, but nationwide. So he decided to write his first book, The Bad Boy. Now he runs an organization based on dealing with common issues through literature, features in well-known book sites like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Audible, iTunes, and has given full access to a free library of his own site. And he claims that he'll soon be in the thousands. One may be superstitious, but considering that Augustus was born on the same day as Caesar Augustus died, August 19th, this might be the continuation of a great empire. Welcome to the show, Augustus. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that introduction. That's a beautiful introduction. Your words. I just read them. So <laughs> it is a very unique way, the way you do it. It's, um, you know, I've been doing these podcasts for nine years now and interviewed people and many different uh, spectrums, but kind of the, the spoken poetry, the spoken wisdom, but setting the stage with the music in the background, it's actually a great advantage because the music already calms people and you have a very soothing voice so that, and you speak slow and articulately. So when you are speaking with that music in the background, you've got people centered, you've got people listening what made you come about with this beautiful format? Well, um, I've noticed um, 
in history, ancient African history, um, whenever the uh, elders will speak or whenever uh, any orators will speak and will speak to certain tribes, um, it's not like TED talk. It's not quiet. It's not silent. It's not where you could drop a pen and you can hear it in the back of the room, which might be a big room uh, in most uh, scenarios. No, they had the musicians playing music. They had the musicians uh, playing the drums in the background. And they understood that music actually hits you emotionally. Now, what most people intend to do when they speak is to actually ingrain everything into that person's, um, um, their memory. But emotion is actually what allows things, thoughts, ideas, suggestions to enter into the memory bank quicker. So the African uh, tribes, the tribal leaders, they understood this. So they put music uh, in their uh, or, uh, oratorship, in their uh, speaking. And uh, that's what I uh, uh, attempt to do uh, today. Mm, and you do it very well. The Thank thing you. is uh, about life is that it is rhythm. And poetry is a rhythm. And when you have the music accompanying that rhythm, it really can get people into the flow of listening, but not only listening, but letting it really penetrate right through their senses. So it's, it's a, a double invitation because music is so soothing, but it's, it is conducting. It's taking people where they want people mm. to go in the flow. And when you bring mm. the words on top of that, it is like a singer over the music. Um, but you're, you're speaking word rather than singing the words. Um, mm. And it's just setting people into the right rhythm. And I think that's one of the things that's missing in life right now is that people have so much static and noise around them they don't know how to get ingested to the flow and the rhythm of life. And we need to slow down and pay attention to those beautiful sounds of life around us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I, uh, I agree uh, very much so. Um, I think today uh, very few are aware that we weren't created for electronics and electronics weren't created to really tend to our chakras and our, uh, our, our just nature. Uh, there's good radiation, radiation that comes from the sun that's actually good for us, but then there's bad radiation, uh, radiation that causes pollution. So uh, yes, I believe, um, I, I agree um, all the way. Yeah, everything in life has a good and bad about it. And, you know, I always say that if you could live life with moderation, you know, you can have a taste of everything in life. But it's when we become excessive is when we run into a problem, isn't it? Yeah, yes, indeed. How do we not become over excessive? And um, we're looking at the medias and we're looking at society telling us that more is more that we need more to validate ourselves. How do we learn to listen to that less is more? Um, that it's not about how much you have, it's about what you do have and, and its own abundance, its own generator of you. How do we get people still enough to listen to that? 
Um, there's a number of ways, but I would say the most basic way would be to simply keep everything life-based, to keep everything to tend to life. Um, this doesn't take a lot of scientific thought, expertise. You don't have to have a master's or a doctor's at Harvard to figure these things out. The moment you walk outside, if there's nothing but desert, you know that there's not much life near. If you walk outside and you see a jungle, it's very tropical, you know that there's much life near. And whatever you do, if, if you have to cut a tree down in order to do whatever your plans are, make sure that you're not doing too much of it. Make sure you don't get carried away and cut the entire jungle down. Um, if you have to light a fire, make sure that you're, you're not gonna burn the jungle up. Uh, pay attention to the birds whenever you see them. Uh, elders, they have no problem paying attention to uh, life. I, I, I noticed when people usually hit their elder in their senior years, they pay attention to life. Seniors take walks in the park and it's not because they have nothing better to do. No, they wanna see what's on the birds' minds today. They, they wanna see what uh, the dogs, what the cats have to say today. They're paying attention to life. And in many cases it makes the last years of most people's lives more precious than the middle years. I won't say the first years because children are just as um, observant to life as seniors are. But those middle years, we, we have a real issue tending to what has life in it. Uh, I'll say this then, then uh, I'll leave it to you. But um, when man gives a gift, you could throw it at a wall and it'll bounce off the wall, whether it's a Rolex watch or a toy from a vending machine. You throw it at a wall, it's just gonna bounce off of it. But if God gives you a gift, it's gonna have life in it. The ducks, that's a gift. The lions, they're gifts to us. The horses, giraffes, everything that God has given us, it has life in it. And when we show appreciation for those things, those things, those persons, those forms of life show appreciation to us. Gratitude is a huge thing, isn't it? You know, I feel that we've become so opulent and entitled. And, you know, our forefathers really had to work for absolutely everything they've had. And now we can just download an app and get everything, you know, delivered by Amazon in a matter of minutes. If we had more appreciation and gratitude for the simple things in life, for the small things, as you said, um, take a child to the park to feed the ducks, watching the ducks skirt across the water as they're chasing something, the beautiful bristle of the trees in the wind, you know, the ripple of the wind across the water you know, the wind in their hair, blowing their hat off, and the wonderful giggles that come out of them. There mm -hmm. are so many pleasures to be had in the simple things. But for some reason, we've been told that we need to have this more, 
in order to find the pleasure. And it's leading people down the wrong path, isn't it? It's leading them away from their core of their heart, their soul and their spirit. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, the, the ancients, all of their wisdom, it came from either a deity that didn't dwell on earth or it came from the animals and the plants and everything that was there before they were. So when we look at us today, trying to use science to figure things out, we, we have to remember there was something here before us. Mm -hmm. There was something here before our intellect and our concepts that we like to treat as if they've been here for a very long time, but they've only been here for as long as we have been here. Um, the, the majority of our studies are based on people that have been here for the past thousand years at the, at the late, at the longest. And we observe those behavioral patterns and say, this is just science. This is just how things are. No, they're, they're, they're not even laws, they're theories, see? So we have to appreciate what has been given to us from above, not what we're coming up with ourselves. Well, that's where the divine channeling comes in. When you are connected, whether you call it God, universe, or spirit, when you are connected and you open up that beautiful divine channel and it speaks to your soul and it resonates in your heart and it lifts your spirit into action, your mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. But we have to be tapped in. And so therefore we have to be tapped in within ourselves because that is where the channeling of that divine wisdom is coming. If we stop chasing the exterior life and go into the interior life, we truly understand the gift that we are to selves and what gift we can be to life and to this planet. It's a questioning of willing to go in and open up, isn't it? To be vulnerable. Yes, yes indeed, yes indeed. But how do we get there? And that's one of the big things that really comes down to it. You know, I love your, your title, Wisdom is the Principal Thing Because Class Depends on It. Mm. Wisdom is something that you can't purchase. It is something that is acquired through life's lessons. It can be passed down, but how you apply it to you, to yourself, that wisdom is given as knowledge. It mm. becomes your wisdom when you use that knowledge wisely. What is the wisdom, what is the principal wisdom for you and, and why do you say class depends on it? Well, okay, um, wisdom in our lessons, there's levels to wisdom. Um, I'm not sure if we have enough time to get into it today. <laughs> Especially not, all not, of the... You know, you can touch the surface. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but there's the wisdom that um, the sophists used to uh, reference, Sophia, uh, philosophy, the, the love of wisdom, the love of Sophia. Um, 
what Aristotle, Socrates, uh, Plato, Homer, even um, what what they instituted into um, the world as a concept, what they were called wisdom. This, in all essence, is what we call today conventional wisdom. It is uh, common sense. Mm-hmm. Even um, on the streets, they call it street smarts. It's all the same thing. Um, but this isn't the principal thing. The principal thing, the wisdom that is actually the principal thing is the wisdom that we get from above and like you said, from within. Because it's the same wisdom that actually created creation. Mm-hmm. It's the same wisdom that uh, the, the, the Higgins uh, particle, the uh, God particle, was actually created by. Now, scientists have used their means, and I think they're getting a lot of this stuff revealed to them still. That's my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. But they use their means to come across the God particle just recently. Scientists have been around for a while, and they just now came across the God particle. So for those that don't know the God particle, that's pretty much the atom that all creation really uh, derives from, uh, scientifically speaking. Now, what they may not realize is that there had to be a creator to create that God particle. Mm -hmm. And there's no saying how many more thousand years it's going to take for them to crack that shell. So wisdom is the principal thing, but it's a specific kind of wisdom that comes from a specific kind of being that gives that wisdom to us. Because if we try to use our own means to get there, if we try to use our, our mind and you know uh, try, to, try to emotionalize this thing or conceptualize this thing, we're gonna get confused. Yes. We're, we're, we're gonna get lost. There, there is a degree of feeling there's a degree of tapping in. There's a degree of listening that we have to do in order to receive this wisdom, the principal wisdom that all things were created by. There's always different levels in life, you know, different levels of understanding, of immersement, of, um, of the epiphanies that you get along the way. And that wisdom you're talking about, you know, the God particle is understanding for a start, we are all one. We are made up of the universe. Every mm-hmm. single thing on this planet has the signature of the universe in it. Everything that is growing mm-hmm. on here, including us. And if you looked at our mathematical equation, it is all well, kind of the same numbers. If we could appreciate that we all come from the same source, then we would not, I think, look to the division of each other but rather the unification of each other in nature is just formidable when you look at all the different beautiful creatures there are in the world um, mm-hmm. their their abilities because each one of them was given a gift either to camouflage or to to be colorful to to produce something where would we be without the bees mm-hmm. it's this planet was extremely well thought out because there is whatever disease there is, there's a cure a few feet away. There, everything that's being put here 
I'm still trying to try and work out what ants are here for, though. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> but just about everything else has a reason to be here, has a job. Well, we do too. Mm. We have a job as well. And I feel that one of those big jobs, and I know it's mine, is the igniting of heart and souls to the universal source energy, to the God particle, into understanding what we're here to learn, what we're here to do, and then take that knowledge back into the universe. But if we could see that we're just a, a different tree in the forest, but we're still a part of the forest, I don't think we'd be so angry as a human race. Yeah, um, I most definitely agree. When you look at, and, and I, I don't want to get too deep here, Go but, deep, darling. Go deep. <laughs> this is what okay. our shows are all about. Go deep. Okay. All right, people. I, I got permission. I'm going deep. <laughs> but uh, when you look at anger, anger in all essence is um, it's, it's a tool. There's a purpose behind anger. Um this is very hard for people to understand today because once more, it's another thing that we try to conceptualize. But anger is the result of something that is wrong. That's why it works with pain so much. Pain, physically speaking, if someone were to pinch you, you wouldn't like that. Uh, if someone were to get a needle and just kind of pick at you, you wouldn't like that. And your pain receptors, they're there to notify your body, to notify you something wrong is happening here. It doesn't matter where it is. It notifies you something wrong is happening. And today we have a lot of people that feel like they need to numb themselves. Mm -hmm. So if someone were to pick at you with a needle and you don't feel it, the fact that you don't have pain may feel good to you. But the fact that you can't feel what's happening is in all essence bad for you. Mm -hmm. So anger is good because it's the ability to recognize something wrong mm -hmm. and see anger in most cases it moves people to stop problems quicker than motivation confidence peace all of the good things that we love to enjoy anger is usually the one that causes people to stop problems because they don't want to see whatever's happening anymore. They don't want to hear that it's happening. They don't even want to know that it's happening anymore. They want to know that it has been stopped. And that's the beautiful side of anger. So when, when we get back, getting back to the point, when people pay attention to that creation, that wisdom that God has given us and the beautiful things that we do have, it does allow people to stop being so angry because they learn what anger is actually for. It's a driver to solutions, not to violence. Yes, indeed. 
but that's our choice. We were given that choice. You know, as you said, the anger is here for a reason. There is something to be angry about. It's not for you to stay in your anger. It's a motivator to find a solution to it. And the solution is not to get violent and cause more pain and incite more anger, but it is actually to lead whatever has angered you or whatever the problem is to love. Because when we can step over to the vibration of love, we're already in the healing mode. And we do need to stand up for the people that are being victimized, for the, for the wrongdoings. Accountability needs to be there. But don't be self-righteous about it and don't do it from a violent point of view. Look at it from a compassion. Well, whoever is doing something that's making you angry, they're doing it gently from a place of either confusion, fear or, or pain. And try and understand what that pain is, where the confusion is, how we can help them understand. Because now in that compassion, you can release them from that anger. You've become part of their solution. So it's very easy to knee jerk with anger, but we need to understand why is the anger there and what can we do about it and not go to the violence of which we see way too much of. Wow, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. I love this one uh, show that you've got here, the God Pill Wisdom. Oh yes, yes. Tell us about that. Yes, that's a uh, show that I'm doing with the uh, good brother, uh, Marcus Hart. Uh, man, it, it's an amazing show that we uh, put together. I'm I'm actually the co-host on it, that's, that's his baby, that's his his uh his uh picasso uh, <laughs> but um you know it is it's, it's something that we put together because um i first featured on uh his uh network and you know he he said you know what uh, after the show he, he said man we we could do something we we could do something um this wisdom it really does need to be tapped into and, uh, you know, we just put our heads together and we ended up doing an entire podcast based on wisdom, but wisdom from God. And we call it God Pill because uh, if anyone is familiar with the uh, Matrix series, <laughs> you have the red pill, the blue pill. Um, he said there's a white pill. I wasn't aware of that. And he said there's a black pill. I wasn't aware of that. Um, the, um, I, I may, I may badger this a bit, blue pill, uh, living in your own reality, uh, red pill living in the reality, uh, the white pill living in a peaceful reality that you kind of, you know, but it might not be the real reality and the black pill where you just lose hope. You're just in a dark reality. Well, we say, okay, well, let's not give them God's pill. Let's not give them, uh, let, let's, uh, why not give them the God pill, the pill from God? And it's a pill that's based on his wisdom. So it's the God pill wisdom show. And, you know, when you think about it, it's very close. It's a more definition of the white pill. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. 
again, I always believe there is an answer, but you know, when you're in a state of confusion, you can't see it. Um, you know, mm. you're tied up into the emotion of it. Uh, we can't see beauty, we can't see love, we can't see anything, we can only see anguish and pain. And, yeah. you know, the, the coming out of that, the taking of the breath and pausing enough in that pain to know that there is still beauty out there. There is still love out there and that it's not, you don't feel it at the moment because you're feeling the anguish. But this, you know, it's a feeling for you to acknowledge, to remember, because the more we understand about our own anguish and our own pain, the less we're going to inflict it upon anyone else. And that there's always a lesson to be learned in absolutely everything we go through, isn't there? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, you've got this whole audiobook series. And, you know, the other thing that you do along with the music is you've, you find beautiful pictures. You know, class definitely is there. Um, I love the presentation of it because it's not in your face, but it's, it is very classy, which is wonderful. And you mm -hmm. call it the Wisdom Library. And you've got all these different books. So we'll get to the bad boy in a moment, but let's look at beauty, the self-help chivalry. What is, uh, what are the, the beauty books all about? Okay, so um, beauty, it is, I cultivated it for the purpose of education, but um, to be frank, it is a builder-upper. It, uh, it, it builds um, men and women, women and men emotionally. And I, I made the book to glorify the woman. Mm. Um, it deals with all forms of beauty, but specifically for the woman. And the reason why is because, um, you know, I've, I've done a, I won't say a study, but um, I've had some things revealed to me about women that I wasn't learning in school. Um, some things that I, I, I weren't, I wasn't learning in the library. And I said, oh my goodness, there's potential to our women that I don't even know that they are aware of. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe they're aware of it, but they just hide it or what is this, <laughs> you know? Yes, Very. although they're not given permission to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in very uh, many cases, yeah. But I say, you know what? Let me let me do a book on this, and let's see where this goes. And the more I started writing, the more it started coming out. And before I knew it, I started comparing the beauty of a apple and its purpose, and how the beauty of that apple shows its purpose, but it doesn't give it its purpose. And started attributing uh, attributing that to the woman for people to understand. See, because um, I mean, I, I could really go on all day um, talking about beauty. It's, it's not most people see it as uh, physical. Whenever you mm -hmm. bring up beauty in women, most people, men, you know, uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> we we see it as physical or visual, but there's an audible beauty that comes from the woman. Mm -hmm. There's a mental beauty. There's a soulish beauty. 
there's a spiritual beauty and then there's a heart-based beauty that all comes from the woman. And the only way that anyone's going to benefit from this beauty is if they know how to recognize it. So, yeah. So that's what beauty is all about. You know, I always find it kind of uh, you know, interesting. You know, I'm, I'm in my 60s now, so of course the gray hair and the wrinkles are beginning to happen. And it's a woman getting older, you know, it's always a fearful thing for her because it, uh, under the current society, she'll no longer be loved or revered. But if she gets to be extremely old with, a, you know, 10 million wrinkles on her face, but a beautiful glitter in her eyes of life and a wonderful smile, she's considered beautiful because of the essence of her. So why can't the essence of a woman be beautiful from birth to death, no matter at what stage of age she's at? Yeah, it's, um, my short answer is that I blame Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I, I blame Hollywood, I mean, with all of my core, I blame Hollywood for this because no other country was really dealing with this issue of not appreciating women in the way that we do it. Mm -hmm. uh, don't get me wrong. There's third world countries that are horrible to their women. Oh, yeah. Um, when Me Too first came out, I thought that they were going to actually do something about uh, women's lack of rights in other countries. But I was utterly disappointed when I seen that they were just taking their anger out on men and trying to take rights from men and trying to replace men. And I, I said, okay, this isn't feminine at all. Right. <laughs> you know. Extremism. Yeah, extremism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember uh, there, there was a uh, recent uh, event. I was uh, with my friends, male guy friends, buddies, right? And uh, this is kind of why I don't hang out anymore, <laughs> because um, we were watching TV and there was a um, elderly uh, young lady. And I've seen the beauty in her. I've seen that she was beautiful. She was graceful. She carried herself like a queen and she wasn't necessarily hunched over with a cane. She was, you know, she she was doing her thing. And I said... I mean, you could have dropped a pen when I said this. I said, that's a beautiful young lady. And I thought that the, the gentlemen that I said that to were on my level, at least to some degree. And I thought that they would, you know, be able to go there. But the look on their faces, <laughs> it was... What glasses are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. And it, it kind of hit me how Hollywood has impacted the man to where we can't even see the, the glory of a virtuous woman that has probably raised her children by herself, has probably worked umpteen jobs by herself to raise the child, and then cultivate and actually give love into that child instead of pain that had that she has received i can see if she took care of the child then she gave the child pain no she still gave love to that child yeah. and you know the, the the child grows up walks the 
Once the uh, graduation stage, the dad shows up and the mother and the child kind of has this nanny nanny nana about them, you know. But sad cycle. I blame Hollywood for it. And yeah, women are beautiful from birth to the grave. Yeah, I, I'm going to be even a little more a shake of a popel here. I, breathe, um, I blame also a lot of religion for it as well, mm -hmm. um, because, um, it, you know, this, this whole status quo of where a woman should fit in society, instead of embracing all the women's glory of, you know, of, of all her beauty from the inside out, her brains, yeah. her abilities, you know, her giving, her joy, her love, her everything. Um, the one thing that's changing in Hollywood, which is nice to see, you know, you have your, your Helen Murens and your Sophie Lorenz and, and uh, even the Kate Winslet now, you know, mm -hmm. um, they're doing shows where they're showing themselves to be ordinary human beings who gained weight through age or through children and not wearing makeup, not scared to look like everyone else and not be the made up illusion of uh, of beauty and it's people have seen them in their you know made up beautiful state and now seeing them in their raw you know um natural state and saying but they're mm -hmm. still beautiful yeah. so if they're beautiful surely i am and i don't need to have all the plasticine on um or to be you know a size two when i should be a size eight you know because my body needs to be that we've become slaves to this illusion and to to try and fit in and that is seeking love from the outside in and when you love yourself from the inside out it doesn't matter what the exterior looks at you're going to exude that beauty from the yeah. very core of you and we need to encourage women to be more like that do not live by the opinions of others especially those that are looking at it from a control factor or is, you know, the status quo of, you know, unless they're a, a Bond woman, <laughs> they, they don't count. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, you know, and I noticed that you do actually um, have that in, in uh, you know, you've got in your bad boy rebellion, you've used a lot of the pictures from James Bond, you know, mm. from all the Bond characters. And, and of course, you know, the way they look at women in that, Yes, they can kick butt. Yes, they can be dangerous, but they're always sexualized. Um, and that is, again, you know, one of those things about we can be sexual creatures, but don't <laughs> sexualize us because right. James Bond, you know, one of the scenes where he unzips another woman's dress, the things I do for England. But if a <laughs> woman was in that role, she'd be a slut. So right. we can't have the double standard anymore, can we? No, we really can't. Um, mankind, whether we like it or not, we came from a origin, a very ancient origin. And in the origin, something went wrong. So there had to be some changes. Um, with those changes, the man has been set as the head of the household. Mm -hmm. Now, many speak about the man being the head of the, the household, but they don't talk about much. I think the last person that really hit the hammer on the nail was James Brown. They don't, they don't talk about much about what the woman is the head of. Yeah. 
See? Everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything. <all> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> everything, and not just everything. Everything that the man doesn't want anything to do with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, but um, the man, yes, he is the head of the household, but the woman, she's the head of the home. See? Mm. And that may not be bluntly uh, placed in scripture, but whenever a woman reads the Adam and Eve scenario, they they understand exactly God put the woman as the head of the home. And this hasn't changed. The woman is still running a lot of the show. The most courageous men in history um, were the 300 Spartans. And they were very beastly, beastly like they were very macho, all of that. But the reason why they were like that isn't because they were trying to they, they weren't trying to rule their women their wives they were allowing their wives to be women uh the spartan women had the most freedom out of all of greece um uh, of all the women in greece at the time and um they even said uh helen of sparta was the most beautiful woman in greece at the time that that's as legend goes, but this is a lesson learned. When you allow the woman to be the head of what she has, what she's uh, has been created to be the head of, and you don't try to interfere, then guess what happens, fellas? She allows you to be a man. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful uh, cycle. Yes. Well, we were given the gift of multitasking. And, yeah. you know, whether a guy is going out to his job or going to war, um, or, you know, the, the fisherman on the trawler, the woman is behind juggling the family and all that comes with it. And she's on duty 24 seven, and she has to have the ability to manage everything. And, you know, I've counseled so many women who, you know, the empty nesters is that well, now what do I do? You know, I'm, I stayed home to raise the family. I'm not qualified for anything. And I go, okay, who balanced the books? You know, who cooked, head cook and bottle washer? Who was the chauffeur? Who was the counselor? You know, who was the nurturer, the nurse? Who was the lover, right? Mm -hmm. And look at all the roles that a woman plays in raising Mm -hmm. a family, in a household. And if that doesn't give you qualification, I don't know what does. Yeah. It's just literally changing those skills into something that is meaningful and purposeful to you. Yeah. Uh, there's always a solution. So let's go to confidence now. <laughs> so talk to me about your confidence book. Okay. So confidence. Um, this one from the from the gate. I wanted to expel any um, previous misconceptions of confidence. Many people they try to act and do things based on confidence without realizing that confidence was never created or never given to us for us to act on. Um, I break this down in all of my books, but it's the four parts of humanity. Every person has a mind, 
they have a soul, they have a spirit, and they have a heart. Now, this takes a while to break down, but just briefly to uh, hit the surface, the mind is the database of all experiences. So anything that anyone could experience from the five senses, from their eyes, their ears, their taste, their touch, their, um, uh, oh, what's the, oh, their smell, there we go. Mm -hmm. I know I left one out. Um, those are all gates, gates that allow your environment to be observed in your mind. Now your brain is one thing, your mind is another. When a person dies, their brain is still here, but their mind is gone mm -hmm. because your mind is spiritual. It's, it's beyond the brain. Um, that's why, you know, I, I hate to use this example, but um, it is very true and it's very real. When someone has a mental issue, that person is still smart. Yes. Um, in many cases, we all seen Rain Man, they're geniuses in many cases, but the brain is damaged. So the brain has an issue computing what's in the mind yes. to their physical aspect. See, so the mind holds all thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Now, the soul is what we call the deep mind. That's, that's the back of the brain, uh, physically speaking. The soul is also spiritual. And the soul is the database of all emotion. Now, beyond the soul, you have your spirit. That's who you actually are. It's the database of all characteristics and all personality. It's the, it's the database of your personality. It's who you are as a person. Uh, physically speaking, that's where all of your chakras are, all your windows, all of your, um, your joints, your, your, uh, your bones. That's... That's where your spirit is dwelling. It's throughout your body. Throughout the spine. Yes, throughout the spine. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, beyond that, what we have that most people don't really understand yet is the heart. The heart is the database of all motives and all um, action. All motives and all action. So we have something like confidence, which most people believe you can act on. You can act based on something that you're confident about. And people will actually base businesses, uh, their legacy, their family, and how they raise their family on confidence. Um, uh, for, for, for the gentlemen that um, are... are um, for the gentlemen that have a way with the ladies, I'll put it that way, nicely. <laughs> um, one of the main things that they try to work on is their confidence because they know that uh, young ladies, young impressionable ladies like confidence in a man. So this gentleman will actually use this confidence to get the girl. And in some cases he falls for the girl and he marries this girl based on this initial confidence. Confidence is not meant for the heart. Is not meant for you to act on. Confidence is for your mind. See, confidence is something that you have in your mind. If you have confidence in your heart, 
is in the wrong place because you're acting on something that doesn't necessarily require you to act on it. If you're confident about a thing that's good, but you have to take that confidence and you have to graduate it into something that can eventually enter into your heart. That way, you're not just acting on something that's frivolous, something that is pointless. You'll be acting on something, and in most cases, here's a little spoiler for the book, you're acting on someone. You're acting for someone instead of acting for something, see. Would you say that confidence is, is kind of the precursor to courage? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And when we find that courage, we find that strength, we've gained our confidence. Yes, indeed. Have you, are, are you sure you haven't read the book? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's wisdom, people. That's age accumulation um, mm. and open channels. You know, you, you've got another one here that, you know, it's, it's so sad that we even have to address it, but it is the SSS, the solution to school shootings. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, if ever there is one that can bring out the anger, but the anger is, is you know, we need to put that anger into the solution. You know, what, what do you see as the solution to, to the shootings that we see far too much of? Yeah, yeah. Um... My entire time working on this book, um, I, I was in tears the, the entire time. Uh, researching it, uh, putting everything together and recording it. I mean, tears the entire time. And um, it, it was very interesting because the issue was so out of hand that this was something that started from something small and it got ignored and it kept getting ignored to the point where the, the, the result, which was the school shootings happened. And by the time people started trying to do something about it, 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 it was like, it, it was like flying a kite in a hurricane. All the experts are confused about this issue. And they're so confused. Most of the experts, they're, I, I, I won't say arrogant, but they're confident enough to call a theory a law. They weren't calling their theories laws here. Mm. Everyone was walking on eggshells concerning this issue. And I'm observing, I'm like, okay, look, if you get it wrong, What's the worst that could happen? At least you got some progress. But everyone was so scared of being wrong that they were posing suggestions, experts posing suggestions, PhDs. And where was the action? Oh, uh, come again. Where was the action? Where was the action? Where was the action? So um, I was led to do this, um, this, this series. And um, in the series, I don't pose theories. I don't pose suggestions. I pose solutions. Mm -hmm. And 
solutions that build up to one big solution. Just to give you guys um, ideas um, of what's in the book. We have psychologists that are getting paid much more money than their success rate actually is. And we have some psychologists that are getting paid much less than their success rate actually is. But they're helping the rich. They're helping the people that could afford it. Now, just with a couple of picket signs and a couple of meetings, it could be orchestrated to, to set up a government program where every psychologist with a specific success rate can do a form of community service on taxpayer dollars to be a designated psychologist at every high school and middle school. Yeah. We can start with one and then build up to every uh, grade, one per grade. But get to the root of the problem, right? Yes. Everybody wants to band-aid everything. Well, you know, it's like a disease. Stop treating the disease. Treat how the disease came about in the first place. Get to the yes. root of it. And of course, yes. the root of it, everybody wants to blame the the you know the kid that was bullied or you know mental problems. That's their favorite thing. The root of the yeah. problem is is the access to guns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stop yes, having such a love affair with guns that are costing so many people their lives. A kid yeah. should not be able to be able to buy AK-7 or even a gun. You know, yeah. it's just, it's handed out like candy and there aren't yeah. any consequences. So if there are consequences on the gun manufacturers, the gun owners, the NRA, right from the word go, that they've mm-hmm. got to pay out on every death. Yeah. And yeah, they've, yes, they've, you know, they've got to be held accountable because it was their weapon. It doesn't matter yeah. who's pulled the finger, you know, yeah. Hollywood making it all glamified, right? And, yeah. and people with their anger go into violence because they don't know how mm-hmm. to take their anger anywhere else. Yeah. Right. So, yes, we need to deal with that anger and pain before it becomes that negative Um want before it costs somebody else's life and yeah, yeah it's every time i see another shooting i just ask why why in this day and age that yeah. this is still happening yeah. when are you going to wake up when are you going to change it up when is it going to be enough all those children that got killed at sandy hook you would have thought but no mm-hmm. it's more and more and more and more and more defense for the gun people i'm sorry no You know, there has to be another movement, you know, that is consistent, nonviolent, but, you know, um, most certainly in your face. Um, Because change doesn't happen if we if we uh, ignore it. Um, You know, we've got to be the change that we seek. So let's go to something a little more, you know, less (laughs) less (laughs) rising. Let's go to perfect faith inspiration and the spirituality uh, you know i think we both come from that core of mm-hmm. it is our guidance system mm-hmm. and you have an eagle here on the front of this but of course the eagle can see from great heights it can yes. see down to great depths 
And that's yes. really what spirituality is, isn't it? It's great heights to great depths of being mm -hmm. able to see and understand. So tell mm -hmm. us a little on that. All right. Well, um, perfect faith is one, once more, it, there's a lot of unlearning in it. Um, faith is like many other uh, issues and concerns. Many people believe that there's many paths to it. And that's very true. But when there's something that has such levels to it and has been conceptualized so much, um, it's one thing to take your own path. It's one thing to try to figure this thing out that many before you, um, for hundreds, thousands of years even, have tried to master and so few have gotten close. I mean, you could take your own path if you want, you're free to do so, but you want to make sure that you take the right path when it comes to something that's deep. And the right path to perfect faith is to go to the source of faith, mm -hmm. to find the source of faith, the architect of faith. Um, the easy part of this is that the same sort, uh, source behind faith is the same source behind this divine wisdom that we speak of today. Mm -hmm. And that's the easy part. Um, that makes it easy for you to find this faith because you don't have to go to some other source. It's the same source. But what we don't hear much about is perfected faith. Faith where it's perfect, where there's no uh, flaw in it. And in all essence, faith, um, as scripture says, is the essence of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. Well, on a scientific aspect, those are scientific terms. The substance of things hoped for, substance, that's a scientific term. And the evidence of things not seen, that's a scientific term, evidence. And in the study of this, I came to the uh, conclusion that faith in all essence is light. It's a form of light. And people in all essence were a form of light as well. But when you take it to a uh, applicable aspect, faith is nothing but obedience. It's just simply obedience. It's simply being given a command and obeying that command. Now, I know in this liberal world, many don't like the term command. <laughs> or even obey. Or obey, yeah. So I, would say, go I would say allow. Allow, um, yeah. You know, allowing, not the command, but allowing that knowledge because, you know, it, it, when you allow it, you know it's truth. You don't right. need to fight with it. You don't need to to dictate it. You know, we want to yeah. take the dictation out of it because that's where people have got lost. But we need yeah. to step into allowing by being in tune to it. And then yes. we are liberated by it. We are guided by it. But yes. if you don't allow it in, how are you going to actually understand what it means to you? That it is yes. your... It's your guiding system. Yeah. 
the very core of, of your beingness is this beautiful truth. And so it, you know, I don't look at it as a command or, you know, an order. I look at it mm -hmm. as it has to be free will and mm. you have to allow it in. But when you do, in that allowing that permission is that you have surrendered yourself to this truth and yeah. to its guidance. And you, you that guidance system is your core being. This yeah. beautiful truth will never ever steer you wrong. When the core says no, it's no. When the core says yes, it's yes. There is yeah. no maybe, right? Mm -hmm. And if yeah. there's a maybe, that means you don't act on it. Right. Because, see, that's where the command comes in. Mm -hmm. See, because if you if you allow it to be a maybe, then it's 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 something that you know you're supposed to do, but you don't do it. It's a it's a command. It's a nature command. So we have the free will to rebel, mm -hmm. but the only reason why it's rebellion is because you were commanded to do it. So we could live freely in rebellion, but the ducks suffer, the lions suffer, they go extinct, the trees suffer, env the environment suffer. Because even though we have the free will to do what we want, we, we have... We have to obey that command. That's faith. Mm -hmm. Trust. It's trust. Trust. Yeah. Right. It it mm -hmm. is trust that 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 divine present, that divine wisdom, will mm -hmm. not steer you wrong. You yeah. Know? And that's why people call it blind faith. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We need a lot more of that today, um, because. Mm -hmm we have lost our guidance system we've yeah. lost that ability to kind of just understand you know go with the rhythm of life tap into the beautiful messages that are out there we we need to um, be willing to surrender to that mm -hmm. uh, that beautiful wisdom and be guided yeah. by it and sometimes it's going to make us uncomfortable and we're mm -hmm. going to have to find courage and strength to take the journey that's been laid before us, yeah. but and without a map, you yeah. know, without a guidance system, the guidance system is within you. It will yeah. guide you right if you're in tuned into it. Mm -hmm. And even if you fall, that fall was meant to happen because there was something you needed to learn either on the ground or in getting back up. Yeah. Right. It's that surrendering to that divine essence of yourself where you mm -hmm. are at one with the universe and following your your meaningful purpose in life. Yeah. A good true. place to be, isn't it? Yes, indeed. <laughs> now yes, let's indeed. go to your um, your bad boy book. And I love the fact that you use, you know, James Bond. You know, I'm a James Bond fan. I have been since I was a kid. Um, but, you know, the way you describe it, you know, Dr. No and, and his simple, you know, simple thing is my name is Bond. And as you said, he lights the cigarette and a pause and then continues James Bond. And mm. it's always that line is the same with, you know, the, you know, uh, shaken, not stirred, you know, all mm. of those things. It is the actual, the pauses 
in in the bond lingo that is that has always stayed with us the most isn't it yes a man of action man of this you know be able to do everything but it's those wonderful pauses before those one-liners but why did you choose you know the the james bond as the original bad boy well um sean connery uh, sir connery uh, rest in peace yes um man he really painted the picture he raised the bar for the gentleman at that time and um whenever i talk to old timers still to this day about uh james bond uh talking about the man the the gentleman they'll say man sean connery was the only james bond mm -hmm. and I roger moore he did actually. his oh come again i got to meet him actually um, really? Back in the 70s, mid 70s, at a disco with his wife <laughs> in, oh, wow. in Madrid. Very brief, very brief meeting, but his charismatic, mm -hmm. in essence of himself, uh, introduced himself to me before he did. Wow. And see, you, you, you can't beat that. Mm -hmm. can't, can't beat that. So uh, he, he painted the picture for what we know as the bad boy today. And um, this this guy that he's a rebel, he's the cool guy. You know, he could take down armies with uh, with one gun. He could catch bullets with his teeth. This guy was based on James Bond, and a lot of people today, young men today, they're still trying to be James Bond, whether they realize it or not, yeah. whether they're a um, Bond fan or not what they're trying to be stemmed from the stigma of gentlemen that actually existed around that time. But Hollywood, unfortunately, in every James Bond movie, they only show the cool stuff and see the bad boy and there's two sides to his life. There's the cool side. There's the fact that he drives the car, he has a house, he gets the girl. Um, he treats the girl wrong. The girl doesn't want to leave him after he treats her wrong. I mean, this guy, you know, he he may not be the best role model, but he got something going on for himself, right? But what they don't show in the movies in Hollywood is that this gentleman, the, the character that Sean Connery played, James Bond, he cried himself to sleep for the majority of his childhood. He... Um, didn't grow up with both parents. Um, he he contemplated suicide very often before military, during military, and after military. <laughs> yes. And um, in the story, James Bond, he's actually a uh, I believe he's a a, a SEAL, uh, British British uh, you know intelligence, but a, uh, a Navy SEAL or, or the um, the the british the, the english uh equivalent mm -hmm. so these are tough guys tough gentlemen that go through some tough things regardless of the tough stuff that they went through when they were younger and it takes a lot of work to be where james bond is in the movie that we see a lot of backstory that hollywood doesn't give us yeah so we have a lot of gentlemen that want to be the boss, but they don't want to pay the cost. Right. I think actually another person that kind of 
would be our new James Bond. Unfortunately, we've lost them way too soon. Is is Chadwick? Um, mm. You know the Black Panther. You know yeah. he was the superhero with heart. He was the yeah. superhero with decorum, with class. Yeah. Um, you know he didn't fight for the sake of fighting. Mm-hmm. He fought, you know, in the defense of, as a mm. last resort, and. In, it doesn't matter even in the Black Panther, you know, him as that superhero because he wasn't like any of the other superheroes. Yeah. You know, it, his, his soul and every single role that he has played has always come through. Yeah. And it's kind of a reluctant hero in mm-hmm. many ways. And and James Bond, in a way, was that, wasn't it? You know, he yeah. he was conditioned to be this person. But there was that that soul that really seeked the peace and every time he found it you know the woman was killed or it was snatched away from him and uh, um, you know and and how just moments in life seize the day hold on to them because you don't know if they're going to be there tomorrow you know a lot of people just watch things for the action or for the bad boy thing but they don't see the story of Mm -hmm. in between the lines yeah yeah, yes, indeed. And um, that's the whole essence of the bad boy. Uh, your favorite Bond movie may leave that out. Your favorite Cary Grant movie, um, uh, even uh, to this day, uh, the, the Jason Statham, the rock movies, your favorite movie may leave that out. This book is not going to leave that out or it hasn't left right. that out. Yeah. There is always a reason why we become who we've become. And yeah. there's, there is the whole purpose of our journey of life is to discover our strength, our courage, our abilities, mm-hmm. our meaningful purpose, because mm-hmm. we are all here to serve. We are all here to be yeah. there for one another in yeah. our most beautiful gift that we've been, been given by God. And when we embrace that gift and we use that instrument, you know, we become part of that solution. Um, And so it's the journeys of our superheroes. They're always a battle. Well, we have battles in our lives. There isn't anybody living that doesn't have a battle, but it's how we get through that battle. It isn't carrying away. It isn't adhering to the violence and becoming numbed with all. It is about finding the love, the meaningfulness, the compassion within it, within that battle. And, yeah. and I think that's the journey for us all to take, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So you have a lot here. I mean, we haven't even covered all of the book things. Uh, you know, there's um, there's uh, Valor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about the Alpha, uh, alpha Force and um you know, you've got all of them over here and, and each one of them will take people down a different journey. And as I mm-hmm. said, with the music in the background, your soft, soothe voice speaking over <laughs> it, it is something that just find your quiet space and just listen, listen mm-hmm. and let it, let it penetrate in. This isn't a quick fix. This isn't a quick download thing. It is something be centered or be in a space of, of, of quietness when you listen, because then it will it will speak to you more deeply. So how do people find your, your books? How do people get to them? 
Yes, that's at AugustusVaughn.com. That's A-U-G-U-S-T-U-S, Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N.com. Everything's there. And, uh, you know, you've got the Bad Boy trailer here right on the, the show page here. And, mm-hmm. you know, keep on doing what you're doing, you know, because it's, it is a unique way. The, the graphics that you use, the, the music that you use, the, the simplicity and the fact that you aren't showing your face. You have <laughs> chosen to be, you know, behind the camera rather than in front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just letting your presence be there. Um, you know, thank you for doing that and keep on doing what you're doing because clearly it's it's working. Thank you, thank you. That, uh, that means a lot to me, that's a blessing, thank you. We don't know where our wisdom is going to come from and we don't know what our wisdom is for. All we need to do is embrace it, uh, let it guide us and it will be spoken to those that are ready to hear it at the time that they're ready to hear it. So all we can do is put it out there and then people will pick it up when they're ready to receive the message. So thanks so much for being with us here today, Augustus. Thank you. Until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here at selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>